It's episode one of Tower Dive, recorded on the 29th of May, 2018. In this week's Reno Valor podcast, we're going to go over the patch, some shake-ups in the qualifications for the World Cup, and of course, the new deathmatch mode. I'm TJ, an esports shoutcaster for the game, and I've been joined by D2, fellow shoutcaster and head writer of SamuraiGamers.com. What's up, TJ? Really happy to launch this podcast. Also with us in the rotating guest seat is YouTuber, streamer, and founder of non-toxic esports, APOC. What's up, TJ? Things are up, but mostly my roof. <laughs> but one of the things that's up, we haven't seen any competitive play since the May 26th update, but all of us have been playing the competitive mode in the video game. How do you guys feel about the current balance? Well, I think that the characters have only been changed a little bit. I know people were pretty excited about having an extra charge on Magongas One, on mm-hmm. Diogenes Two, but they all just feel better. They don't act. They're not actually, you know, game-changing, meta-changing changes. Mm-hmm. And we were talking a bit about mages, um, Apoc. I am told you have been flying. He's not a mage, but he does magic. Batman. Oh, Batman's sexy. One of my first things that my parents always tell me I used to say was Matman when I was a kid, right? So <laughs> I couldn't say the B, but I was working on it, you know? So uh, honestly, this is probably the most excitement I've ever had uh, since any of the the heroes released in AOV. First thing they told me is that Batman is not late game. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I've heard that, and so... I really have uh, worked hard to to get down some really good bills. I've uh, uh, came up, you know, worked with some of our guys who are on the pro team to come up with a good solid build. They gave me a good starting build. Checked out Dark. What is it? Dark Barker. Dark, no, dark Breaker. No Dark. Dark Breaker. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he had a very amazing build. He said it was super OP, and I trust him. <laughs> and so that is the build that I'm testing out now. And I'll be honest with you, I love it. Like Batman, I can get in there. I can fight with just about anybody one-on-one really early game, uh, mid-game, making sure I get those ganks in. But late game, man, I'm working with a user right now on my YouTube channel who thinks he's got something figured out to maybe help Batman to be a little stronger in late game. But to be... Oh, no. Much like Batman's late game potential. He's vanished. (laughs) He (laughs) He went on too long. We got to the late game and... (laughs) that build hasn't worked out yet (laughs) (laughs) okay i mean batman is kind of an interesting topic because he's just come out in the west and i understand that apoc's having a good time with him but how would you describe his viability in europe i think that batman there's ways to play around him these days particularly because characters like lindis and max have gotten a lot of popularity lately so there's ways to counter him in that regard there's also ways to counter him just by grouping up which is you know people do a lot when they roam around the map and so he's not as strong he doesn't kill people quite as quickly he's not as mobile even though he does have that you know passive he's not quite as mobile and deadly as some of the other assassins so i think his viability in europe the, the reason why it's dropped off a bit is because of the strength of other assassins and not particularly because Batman is that weak. I think that's fair enough. We'll talk more about the patch notes and character balance later on when we get into the game news and esports news, but uh, one of the more general things that was introduced in the last update was the deathmatch mode. I've been playing it a bit. It's obviously not going to be a competitive mode, I assume. We're not going to see any deathmatch tournaments, but Maybe. I do think it could have... Ooh, do, I know... do you know something? I do think no, it I could have ramifications 
on competitive play because even though it's not a competitive mode i enjoy playing it and taking it seriously i think that that makes it very easy for me to get practice fighting very easy for me to get practice actually playing a character which is very fun very nice for me right a lot of ways that people used to practice were with abyssal class were with you know the solo battle and this just adds another element to the game where you're constantly fighting, constantly, you know, going at people. There's there are times in the Bishop class where you're not really supposed to push. You just kind of sit there and, you know, bide your time and twiddle your thumbs. So this is really nice. You're always incentivized to fight. If you don't fight, you're going to fall behind. And so, I, like you said, that definitely adds to that practice. I think more than that, though, Deathmatch is, is just really fun. There's this, com mm -hmm. there's this competitive element. There's this addicting element where they give you a rating and you really want to ra raise your rating. And I've even seen some Reddit threads saying, now that deathmatch is out that aov is by far the best game i don't sure if i'm what going to go that now? far as... what do you mean now right exactly what that's, do you that's mean now <laughs> that's what people that's what other people are saying i don't know okay. if i'm going to attribute everything Deep to deathmatch i already thought aov was the best <sighs> mobile mobile game but uh I, the people are saying that deathmatch has pushed aov over the top for them yeah and it definitely serves as kind of the complete meal right you have a main mode that's obviously going to always be that 5v5 mode and then having a more casual mode what i've been using deathmatch for is if i only have a few minutes and i'm thinking man what do i do i can you know browse reddit browse twitter or i can play a game of deathmatch because they take about the same amount of time you log in and the login itself takes more time than getting into a game that's super nice for me to have a more casual alternative to the main mode that still lets me get proper practice. Yeah, the timed element is pretty big. I know if I'm on a train and I have a stop that's 10 minutes away, it's like, oh, great, this lasts exactly eight minutes. I'll be done by the time I get there. You can play AOV on a train? I knew Japan was the future country. I didn't realize <laughs> you could play video games on a train. Well, the future actually is hidden within your phone, TJ. Not exactly in Japan, but Do, sure. Are you telling me the future is now? Yes, yes that's exactly what I'm saying. My mind is blown. <laughs> okay, you're back though, Apoc. We've we've <laughs> resuscitated you via hotel Wi-Fi? Yes. As we touched on earlier, the May 26th Arena Valor update was the largest since launch. And with a complete rework of the main menu, some sounds and far-reaching balance changes, it's been very interesting to watch. But kind of on the more competitive side of things, one of the things those changes did was they introduced active items. Both of you are involved with the scene. D2, you commentated. APOC, you have connections to a pro team. How are you treating those active items from a competitive standpoint? I mean, right now we're in a cycle where it, it really hasn't made that much of a difference as far as how we're training at this point because our guys are uh, all focused on solo queuing. We're considering this off season, so we're working on lots of micro. Not mm -hmm. but every now and then we get a little macro, but it's just lots of micro work at this point. Then to change perspective from more casual, because yes. I know you're a streamer, you talk to a lot of newer players, people were worrying the active items were gonna make the game too complicated to a newer user. Do you think that's the case or is it super easy? Honestly, from a casual side, I haven't heard very many people. I have not even complaints nor mentioned as far as the new item. So I, I don't, th I don't think there's been as much impact from the casual side. Right. I, I like the active items from this perspective. The fact that they're items, right? You can choose whether or not to make your build more complex or not. I, from personal experience, having the extra extra button, having extra decisions makes the game more complex for me, which is good. I like having those extra decisions, but you can just choose not to get the items in the first place, which is a nice design in my opinion. 
It's yeah. opt-in complexity. Exactly. As far as the items themselves, I think that Ball of Slaughter is immediately feeling really, really good. He'll basically lead to full if you just pop that. The, the nice, the interesting thing is when to use it, right? Because you can't just use it when you're low health. You have to just pop it when you're 75% health and expecting to take some damage, like when you're an immobile marksman, like, you know, a Tell or, uh, or a Yorn or something. The other ones I haven't really gotten to use very much. Arctic Orb, I've seen some pretty good use by other people, although I was pretty skeptical about it. And the Rock Shield is weird because typically when you play games, you kind of opt for armor or defense or magic defense, depending on the opponent's comp. And since it provides both, it's kind of in that weird in-between area. But I think as people get more used to it, you'll see a lot, especially in pro play. Well, we'll have to see, because of course we haven't had an opportunity to see that yet. And I think the first time we won't get to see pro play with these new items will be the upcoming Valor Series Finals. And one of the other things going to change at those Valor Series Finals is we're going to be playing with a new character. Rourke has been introduced. He's not yet in play, but you can fully try him out. And he's a close-range marksman with oppressive damage. I see him being a staple of the upcoming series. Do you disagree? Yeah, he's pretty strong. I've heard that he's being pretty well used in the in Taiwan server and I believe he's a marksman warrior is that correct that's the first time we've seen that yes I mean pretty nuts (laughs) he's basically got a shotgun right he fires I think it's five pellets and each of them individually applies his passive so if you land all of the pellets then you strip you can strip somebody's armor uh apply it to the fullest extent of his passive within three shots Right. Which his is passive insane. is basically a Spear of Longinus, which is one of the strongest items in the game. So you, you build attack speed, and because you don't really need armor pierce, you can build things like crit, and he just does a ton of damage. And his ult is absolutely nuts. It makes him nigh unkillable. Anything that can help me to slow... I'm not a primary... I'm not so good at killing people all the time. Sometimes I have to rely on my team to finish. So anything I can do to weaken the enemy a lot of times... It's a to let team playability. To uh, finish him off. Yes, exactly. There's also one more new mechanic with Rourke in that you can actually get his his attacks can get blocked. Like, for instance, if you're aiming for a hero, if you auto attack and actually specifically aim for a hero, if a minion gets in your way, it can block the attack. So if you get used to playing against Rourke, if you're an extremely high level player, you can start blocking those attacks. If you're a tank and blocking them for your for your marksman, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think he'll be a very interesting character in team play, and I think he's going to be constantly in the banning phase, if not the picking phase, definitely in the banning phase, just because he introduces, like we were talking about, those new mechanics, and characters that bring in new mechanics tend to get removed, just because they're scary, they're new, and nobody knows quite how to counter them yet. Agreed. Well, though there was no competitive play last week, the seeding for the Valor Series Finals was locked in after some minor changes. For the Dream and Vitality on the European side of things were tied for second place in points at the end of the Valor Series. That tie was broken using map victories, which awards the second place to For the Dream, relegating Vitality to the third seed. Across the pond in North America, Uppsala came in fourth place at the end of Valor Series, but was unable to field a roster for the finals. As such, the fifth place team, One Trick, takes the slot. That means the qualified teams for both regions, in order of seeding, are as follows. In Europe, Team Noob, For the Dream, Vitality and Nova Esports. In North America, Allegiance, Immortals, Dino Riders, and Team One Trick. Apoc, you're very involved with the North American scene. Do you think these yes. four teams are the best the region has to offer? 
Well, I'll be honest with you. So I'm a little bit biased. Uh, we, we do scram one trick pretty often. <laughs> so uh, so the thing is, Uppsala, Uppsala was one of the last teams that we actually played uh, during the qualifiers. And so actually, I think we played them in relegation. And so honestly, I feel bad for Uppsala because I feel like they were really a solid team. And I feel like it was a toss-up between them and One Trick. So I would say, yes, I think these are, are the best four, but I also think that One Trick and Upslope could be switched and you'll still have the best four because I kind of put them right there together based on what we've seen. You're saying totally Team One Trick are absolutely up there, and my viewing of Valor series definitely confirms that. They've held their place. Yes, they've gotten better. I mean, you're talking about a team that is grinded and grinded. I mean, they're they're always, I remember all those phrases. I think you yourself made the comment, uh, the gatekeeper, right? <laughs> so they were always just almost there, but it was always yes. almost there. And so I, it was finally good to see them put together a team combination. And they had some team changes. There's so many team changes over these last, I guess, eight weeks uh, or so. But I think they finally have a combination that I think truly can do some amazing. They beat Team Upsla in week six. So, I mean, there's that as well. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. I did frame them, like you said, as the gatekeeper to, to the North American region. If you're in North America and you can't beat them, you're probably not in the top four. If you can beat them, you've made it. And that's kind of how I viewed it, right. because they were on the cusp of being in that boys club. In Europe, though, it is kind of a similar situation with Nova Esports, who came in fourth. For the Dream and Team Noob have always been top three with vitality and then nova's just kind of been hanging on would you disagree with that nova had this kind of rivalry with royal for the longest time and they finally quashed the rivalry or at least nova won the rivalry by beating them on the final in the final week six and getting into the playoffs so that was pretty interesting to see them kind of reverse the the results from prior weeks and get into the playoffs that was pretty exciting honestly but uh, the, the rest of the, you know, like you mentioned, Nova Esports Royal, uh, Team Royal kind of on the outside looking in, whereas Team Noob is at the top, then For the Dream and Vitality, exactly even points, and then, you know, the rest. Yeah, and For the Dream and Vitality was so fun to watch that develop. Over the course of the Valor series, every single one of their matches was spectacular, and I just love Vitality games, the Team Vitality. I love watching them play. If you see them on a docket, you know that match is going to be fun. The reason that they actually lost the seeding thing, they went down to third place, is because they have the most Game 3s of any team in the European Valor series, and I believe any team in Valor series. So they just consistently play close games. And that's because they play this weird, risky style, and it's very fun to watch. But they're also in the top four, which is a weird contradiction. You'd expect the team with the most Game 3s to maybe not be doing so well. They're just clutch. They're just great. I love watching Vitality play. <laughs> I'm a fat boy. I, I was going to say, I'm not talking about Clutch Guild from, from Philippines. Well, which maybe it's a segue. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Clutch Guild from the Philippines because the World Cup qualifiers have been continuing around the world with teams from every region continuing to qualify for the World Cup in Los Angeles. The Clutch Guild Black was the team that qualified in Game 6 of the Valor Cup Finals in the Philippines. In an interview, they credited their success to teamwork and friendship, which is kind of sweet. J-Team qualified for the World Cup as well this week over SMG, closing Taiwan's Garena Pro League. Well, this might not have been a surprise to you, D2, as you've been following the scene. I and I think many others expected SMG to continue to dominate. What happened over the course of the season? Right, well, 
SMG was so dominant early on that people who were kind of not really paying attention, kind of loosely paying attention, thought that they were the heavy favorites going into the playoffs. But it turns out they were actually the third seed going in. So they had to win a match just to get to the finals with J-Team. And J-Team just showed why, why they're the one seed. They won 4-1. to The only game they lost was a game that went 40 minutes, and they were outdrafted anyway, and they still almost held on to beat SMG. So yeah, J-Team definitely the best team in Taiwan and one of the favorites, if not heavy favorites, going into the Arena Valor World Cup. Taiwan is considered the strongest region and they actually had a second qualifying slot that went to a fan-voted MVP team. I dread to think what would happen if North America had that privilege. It contained members <laughs> from a diverse set of teams, including SMG's Hanzo and Genji, but both of them declined the invitation for personal reasons. We'll go over the full list of rosters for all the qualifying teams in an upcoming show closer to the World Cup, though. For now, I'm going to ask you, APOC, you're part of the NA scene. How do you feel if you, when you watch Taiwanese play? Have you watched any of that Asian play? How scared are you for a representatives facing off against JT? Now, you're asking basically NA versus... Uh, Specifically, yes. on a scale uh -huh. of like one to seven, with seven being... <laughs> We're going to lose this match 100%. And one being, we yes. got this. Where is NA okay. versus the Taiwanese teams? Oh, versus, oh my gosh. Well, you know, I don't know because a lot of our guys, they, they've, I mean, not a lot of our guys, but a lot of guys in the NA scene, right? They've trained over there. I mean, they mm -hmm. put in the work and they're, they're, I, I don't, you're like a I, five. I, I know we're going to lose. Okay. So, I, all right. I, <laughs> oh, all right. Never mind. I, I feel that we're going to lose, but I feel that. Our guys in NA are doing the work necessary to kind of close the gap somewhat, okay? Because I, everybody that has helped us, you know, either in, on the casual side, they've always told us we need to watch SMG. I mean, all of our guys watch, watch SMG, so they're the standard. So it's kind of hard to say that we're going to be able to go in there and beat the people who all the people in NA scene who are really competitive have watched <laughs> and learned from. Mm -hmm. Kind of hard for the student to beat the master. Well, that's it. I think that they actually are catching up. Speaking of the Western team, speaking of, or basically everyone outside of, you know, Taiwan, the thing is they've had the game for so much longer and that really showed itself in the AIC, the Arena Valor International Championship, which Taiwan won, which is why they get the extra spot. But the, the skill gap is really catching up, especially because, you know, the West actually has the chance to use the heroes that, you know, East Asia has had for so long. And... I think we're going to see pretty close games at the ADWC when it comes. Well, we aren't there just yet, but the Valor Series finals are quickly approaching, and we may not have time to record an episode next week for unrelated reasons, so this is the official Tower Dive pre-E3 cast. As a reminder, the first seed for North America, let's start there, is Allegiance, followed by Immortals, followed by Dino Riders, and finally One Trek. D2, if you had to name a team, who's coming out on top from LA? I mean, you ha you got to go with Allegiance. They won five out of six Valor Series weeks. Um, even though Immortals did add Dave and Neo, and they're a lot stronger than they were, and they ended up going to the finals last two weeks, they weren't able to beat Allegiance. I think that Allegiance, they just play so well. They play so well together. And Immortals, unless they really come together as a team in a really short amount of time, I think that Allegiance still takes it. Immortals are a bit of a question mark for me because they have like an eight-man roster and yes. they've been constantly making changes throughout the Valor series. And Like, I really don't know what Immortals we're going to see at the finals, not just even in the roster because nobody knows that, but also in how they're going to perform. 
APOC, if you had to go ahead and pick your favourite from North America, who would it be? No, you, you got to be careful with words. <laughs> you're okay. You favourite. Who would you predict? Who, I, who, I believe... <laughs> who would you predict to win the North American <laughs> Valor Series, played at E3 okay. 2018? Okay, because a lot of these guys have been very, very helpful to us. <laughs> so th- there is no way I can pick anybody else to win for ALG at this point. Honestly, they're they're so dominant and they are so ridiculously good and they play well together and they adjust. Uh, I mean, it was funny. Like during the times that we made it into. Uh, through the qualifiers and played them, them they would beat like we were upset because they beat us like in seven minutes, but then they turned around and beat uh, the number two team in six minutes. <laughs> so, <I> was, <laughs> <laughs> so we felt not so bad, but they just they don't seem to be showing any weak. I mean, they show some weakness, but not enough that people can exploit them. I don't think they can be beat right now. Uh, I'm happy that IMT has has done some things and made some changes and i'm glad to see definitely glad to see dave i was really bummed out when i didn't see dave uh playing i think it was one or two weeks where he didn't play but i'm really liking him on that team uh i think casey fox last time i checked he was still at the top of the rankings you know number one player in north america uh by ranking and uh honestly i was expecting him to be i guess a little bit more dominant but seeing them play against ALG, it just really solidified how good ALG really is. Unbeatable, is the word from the panel. Things are not the case, I think, though, across the ponds. Uh, <laughs> Team Noob are definitely in a similar position. They've played very, very well throughout the series, but the number two seeds for the Dream and Vitality, I think, are approaching them quick. Even Nova Esports is a very interesting team to watch. And one of the things I'd like to flag going into the EU thing is that Vitality, and I experienced this because, of course, I was commentating the non-pro tournament, the first major tournament in Europe, and Vitality, mostly the same roster, I think, with one change, was the French representative team there. They came into that as the number 2-3 seed. They then exploded onto the stage and took the tournament. I would watch this team because I think they get a massive boost from the pressure and the excitement of playing a live event. I think Vitality are going to show up on stage. Yeah, like you were mentioning earlier, they kind of play up and down to the competition by playing all these three, you know, going the full three games every single time in their best of three matches. I think that EU is very similar to NA in the sense that Team Noob, they were pretty dominant during the regular season. Like you mentioned, they won all six weeks, but they were vulnerable at spots. Like they dropped games here and there. I don't know if that was just because they were overconfident. Maybe they're going to just, you know, go in and wipe everyone out when we get to the playoffs. But, you know, we saw... For the Dream, scare them. We saw Vitality scare them. Obviously, Nova Esports has taken games off them as well. So it's kind of the same thing. And by the way, for EDA, I want to say I wouldn't be shocked. I would be slightly surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked if another team took it, like if Immortals took it. But uh, the same thing goes for EU. I would, I would expect Team Noob to win, but I wouldn't be flabbergasted if Vitality or For the Dream won. I think I'm going to make a rogue prediction. My rogue prediction is that Vitality win. Hmm. Going on a limb. I like it. Okay, so here we go again. All right. My attachment to the EU scene was through Arena of Violet, right? <laughs> that was kind of the first person that I interacted with. So I watched for the dream, kind of pulled for them as a result of just kind of knowing that one player. Uh, but I'm going to have to go with Team Violet. Wow. A double vote for Vitality. This is bold. <laughs> I'm not as bold as you guys. I made the insane prediction. Vitality, the number three seed, 
I believe they're going to come out and win. To be fair, they haven't they haven't won a week from Team Noob. No one They has. haven't. No one has. That's literally not a single, single team I'm, has been. I'm, I'm saying I'm, it was for a dramatic effect. I wasn't really asking the question. Vitality <laughs> haven't won a week from Team Noob. They have taken games from Team Noob, but they haven't, they haven't won one. So here's my belief, though. I think just the stage and Vitality as a team, you said earlier, they grow to match their opponents. I don't think that's wrong. I think that team has such a solid roster. They're so fun to watch in team fights. They're just a better team than many of their opponents. For the Dream, though, is my other wildcard pick. I say Team Noob is the favorite. I actually favor one of the two number two seeds. Uh, for the Dream is, I think, a less coherent team than, say, Vitality, although that, that isn't saying much because Vitality are, in my opinion, one of the best teams currently playing. So for the Dream still are very, very good at team play. But I feel they also get a boost from having Shurko, uh, having Rez, just star players who absolutely dominate their roles. And that gets them over a lot of barriers. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Vitality is the best team, whereas Team Noob and For the Dream are this collection of just amazing players who are able to just beat out their competition that way. And I, I think that struggles on a main stage. I think when the pressure comes down and you have the experience and the cohesion as a unit, the team play will stand out. And remember, Team Vitality is the only team on this stage that has played a LAN event for both regions. This is Vitality is the only team that has played a LAN event as their current roster. They have experience. And I think that that will make a difference. You played uh, Hearthstone competitively, right? Uh, yeah. That's not a team game, but <laughs> it, it is, I think, I'm sure you still notice, yeah. as I've noticed every time I've cast in a LAN event, there is a pressure on the players. They start making silly mistakes. The cohesion starts slipping up because everything is different. Right. When you're on the stage, it's a way different feeling than when you're sitting at home just chilling. And, you know, there's, there's also, like... The strictness of it too like you know you have to confine by these rules you can't move from your seat you can't go to the bathroom like you just and you're in the moment you have thousands of people watching you there like literally seeing your face and your in your uniform and everything so it's just the whole moment is completely different i have to agree we've called it an upset in europe by majority rule me and apoc both siding with vitality for the dream i think also in it with the shot and then i think all three of us said alg will take the north american side We'll see. I'll have to pull people back, reach out, figure out if we can 100% verify how we did. This has been, though, our first episode, and we will be changing up the format as we go on. So please feel free to reach out to us. Tell us what you thought. I'm at TJ on Twitter. APOC, you've been joining us. You were nice enough to join us on our first episode, and I know it was a bit messy, so I'd like to first off thank you very much for that. And then secondly, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, man... This APOC guy sounds super cool. I just want to see video of him moving on my monitor so that I can follow him. Where would they go? Uh, if you will, uh, NTG underscore APOC on Twitch, APOC on YouTube, The Real APOC on Twitter. Are there fake APOCs? Well, let's just say I wouldn't, I didn't expect there to be so many APOCs <laughs> out there. There are a lot of imposters, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they're imposters, maybe I'm there. Imposter, but oh, no. that's what I have. I'm You're the real imposter. I'm going to stop <laughs> this before it gets existential. <laughs> this has been episode one. Thank you very much for listening.